Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself and we have Tony Martinetti. Good afternoon. Good morning to you, I should say. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. This is great. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting today. Yeah. And it's really, listen, it's great. So tell us, Tony, really what, uh, what do you do? Where are you from? And what's it all about? Yeah. So I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, so I should say I'm in the suburbs of, of the city. Um, it's been some time since I've been in the city because of the pandemic. And uh, what I do is I, I help people to climb mountains, theoretical mountains, not actual mountains, although I do love climbing mountains. Um, I get them to be more fulfilled um, in their life and in their business. And I try to get them connected to their inspired purpose. I know that seems a little bit out there, but the reality is so many people walk around just going through the motions and I want them to be more connected with who they are at the core. And um, that's why I love the whole concept of what, you know, what you do on the show, because it connects with who I am. Uh, So that's what I do. I'm a coach, um, entrepreneur, someone who really loves to connect with people on a very deep level. And I love to generate ideas to be a thought partner with people. Oh, thought partner. I like that. That's a great term. Yeah. Where do you get your ideas out of interest? Oh, my ideas? Uh, just uh, from other people, from, from working, you know, being in this space with other people. It's, um, I would say that it feels a little bit like improv, but I have no experience with improv. Uh, this whole idea of yes and, when people bring something into the room, I can easily see what the next step could be. Um, I get them to expand beyond what they currently are seeing and thinking what could be possible right outside of that. And I think if you were to, if I were to take it one more level from that, it's because I played in the worlds of art, business, and science in my path to becoming who I am today. And I love playing in, the, in all three areas. Um, and seeing how they can they converge oh well it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to this so yeah interesting uh different different aspects and and but yeah we'll come to that so before we get into it i mean really tony what what does fire in the belly mean to you first of all yeah it's it's something that drives you it's the it's we'll see i love the, the idea of you know fire um it's something that keeps you moving and um in action but for me, you know, the inside fire is something that really keeps you alive and, and striving forward and moving forward. Um, so for me, it's about that. It's feeling that there's something alive in you that's dying to come out and move you forward into the next step of your life. Do you have that? Do you always have it? Have you always had it? Um, it's a good question. I would say that I haven't always had it. Um, there's been moments in my life where 
Yeah. I've had some dark periods where they didn't really, um, I didn't feel lit up. Um, I didn't have the fire quite blazing as it is now and has been in the past. So I think we all go through periods when we don't feel quite as alive as we want to be. What's changed the thing? What, what makes it burn brighter? As you say, what's, what makes it brings your passion stronger? Yeah. And I think it come, I think it's, it's a great question. What makes it come alive is really, you know, having something that really drives you forward an inspired purpose, which is kind of ironic. That's the name of my company as well. Um, you have to be inspired. You have to be connected to something bigger than yourself um, and feel as though I have a reason for being beyond just breathing. And there's a reason for me to get up in the morning. There's a reason for me to, to do something that's going to make an impact to make a contribution to the world. And I think for me, that's why I, I had to find that for myself. And on the days when I didn't have that connection is where I struggled the most. Those are the dark days. And having that, I mean, is, is that goal driven? Is it vision driven? What, what is it that keeps your clarity there? I mean, you know, and I love that inspired purpose, you know, this, this you know. yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, there's a couple parts of this. There's a part of having a vision of what you want for yourself in the future, but it's also having this ability to see and appreciate where you've come from and having that connection to gratitude of who I am now and being completely at, um, at peace with who you are. Um, not having any uh, expectations of what society's put on you. And there's this thing that I keep on coming back to and people always say, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. Um, it's true, but the reality is that there's an, also in a part of this that is, you know, you have to run your own race. You have to tend to your own garden and feel as though that the flowers that I'm planting, the seeds that I'm planting about my life are, are what I should be worried about. Those things that I care about. If I'm not tending to my own garden, if I'm not taking care of myself and um, seeing what lights me up in my life, then I, I'm not going to be around to be able to see them through. If I'm just worried about what other people are doing and how can I be like them? How can I get to that place where, you know, I'm the CEO because everyone else wants to be the CEO, then um, you're never going to do it for the right reasons. So connecting with what you truly want to experience in life and also appreciating your place and where you are right now um, is where that all starts. Tell me this. I mean, when you are lit up, what is it? Mm. What does a lit up Tony look like? I mean, what's <laughs> what's your habits? How could we? How could we tell? Yeah, I mean, I get lit up when I see other people who have connected with their their true voice and their true purpose in life, and I know it because a lot of people have said to me, "Wow, I feel like I'm finally." feel alive and breathing for the first time, the deepest breath I've ever, I've ever breath, you know, ever breathed <laughs> in my life. And I love that, um, that expression because there's an element of, of feeling alive means that 
you know that you have a purpose, that what you're doing is aligned with your values, with what you want to contribute to the world. And it feels as though you have all the tools that you need inside you to unlock those tools, I mean, to unlock that purpose. So it's like coming into alignment with everything. Um, and it's not based on an external marker. It's all based on an internal light. Um, I don't want to be too, uh, too, you know, freaky hippie like, but the reality is this is where it really kind of resonates. And when people start to really see that everything you need, when you, when you get connected on the inside, there's an element of people feel that, um, you asked me what it looks like for me. People realize it because I radiate that my spirit comes alive. I'm going to go on one little tangent to say, often people ask me about leadership and say like, well, you know, what does it look like to be, you know, a good leader or what have you? And I tend to get them into this thought process of saying that leadership is actually a spiritual journey. And when you connect with who you are at a deep level um, and you see that you're doing it all for the right reasons, you radiate something that you don't, you can't, you can't describe it, but people feel it because they know that you're doing it for the right reasons and you know, you're doing the right reasons and your um, internal compass is pointing in the right direction. And therefore people know for some reason you're lit up and you're creating something that they want to follow. They want to connect with. It's not about being right all the time too, by the way, it's about just a feeling of being in alignment. Just, I mean, uh, alignment, I think is a great thing. So, I mean, when you say alignment, you're talking about your, your values and your actions. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah. So it's being, you know, truly understanding yourself. So if I think about the journey um, and I'm going to take a quite a little detour before I come back to your answer, the journey of really understanding what you're supposed to be doing in the world is it starts with going within and having those conversations with yourself, which most of us fear to, to have, you know, the, who am I, what am I supposed to be doing in life and what, you know, what does it all mean kind of thing. And when you get quiet and you truly start listening in to those, those questions and answering them for yourself, that comes from inside. There's no external world, you know, there's no answers outside. They're all coming from inside. And once you start to kind of un, um, unearth them, then what happens is you start to see that that is where your alignment comes because your actions come from that place of knowing I'm doing something that is aligned with what my vision of the world is, what my vision of my values are. Well, my, you know, I shouldn't say aligned with my, my values and my vision, all those things are, that's what alignment is. It's knowing that everything is, is in alignment with the things that you believe. I'm just curious, you know, for anyone in alignment, I mean, is it, do you think that comes at a certain stage in your life or is it, you know, do we need to have gone through certain things to find that, or can we be fortunate to find that at any point? I love you that you bring this in because this is something that's been on my mind lately, especially because of all the things that people have gone through in the pandemic and this feeling of, oh, you know, um, 
people have gone through some really challenge, some real challenges, and some people have done pretty well for themselves. Um, they've they weathered the storm, or you know, some businesses actually thrived. Um, some people have this um, this feeling like I have to go through some traumatic event in order for me to um, to to I have to go through fire to be transformed. Not true. Not true. Um, those moments do transform you because they they give you no other choice but to be different than who you were before. Um, but you can learn from other people's journeys. You can learn from understanding, you know, um, the the little moments, the clues that show up in your life to say, "Gosh, something's not right right now." What can I what can I take from that clue that's showing up that tells me I should be doing something different in my life? Um, you don't have to suffer just to turn to to turn into somebody else. So, I mean, this is interesting. I'll just you know I'll add one point to this: is that I have a my podcast, which is called the Virtual Campfire. I interview people all the time, and you know, part of it is. Some people come on, they have these, you know, fantastical stories. I don't mean that in like a made up stories. They're fantastical in the sense that they're, you know, traumatic and, you know, they've gone through some, some life-changing events that have transformed them into the people they are today, making huge impact. And some people tell me like, oh, my story is not that interesting. That's not that different. And I tell them like, oh my gosh, you have no idea the little things that can uh, what I call flashpoints that can turn you around and change you are what really make a difference, the little things. And it's about having that moment that says, okay, now I'm ready to embrace who I am meant to be. Talk to us about that moment and your understanding of that moment, because it's always interesting when, you know, like myself, you know, you, you hear people on the journey and they've, you know, they've gone from A to from point A to point B via point Z, if you like. And what's your perception of it now? Because I appreciate you, know, people don't have to go through that pain, but yet there's a common element. So what makes people change? And what really, what, what changes the polarity for people? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's one of the things I'll, you know, I'll bring into this is that there's an element of you need to have some motivation to change. And I think that's the starting point of, of that shift. If you, if this, the pain of staying the same, um, has to be greater than the pain of the change. Um, so if you don't have that impetus to change, then, you know, the reality is you might just kind of be comfortable staying where you are and that's fine. The moment that is around on the horizon for you to make that shift will come <laughs> or it won't. And that's fine too. If you're happy, don't force change. Um, it, it, you know, there's an element of just looking for clues and saying, okay, is this the moment? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you'll know when it, the time comes. And this is part of also building what's called, you know, the intuition muscle, which really shows up in people's lives to know when to trust that this is the moment. I'm curious on your, your use of words there. I mean, you're saying the pain of the pain of change. Yeah. Could it be the inspiration of change or hmm, is, I love it, that. is it perceived as pain? 
Yeah, it's perceived pain. I mean, this is all, everything's made up. Everything in the world is just a, is just a fiction that's made up in our minds. Um, so pain is not real unless it's real pain, which is, you know, you know, you get in an accident or what have you. And there've been people who have been on my show who've had real pain, but um, there is a perceived pain. But in reality, if you flip it around, that pain could be the inspiration for, for that change. And I think if you take that perspective, you reframe your, your view of what you're going through. Um, I think that's the, the way to really look at the change. But I think what I was getting at, and just to kind of put it back into what we were talking about, I think there's an element of people see change and they say, um, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. But that's part of the, the reason why, you know, when I work with people, I'm trying to get them to see, well, what's another way of looking at this? How can you reframe that? What I like to call the beautiful reframe is when you can take that moment of, of struggle, that moment of, you know, our wound that can then become a strength by reframing that experience and saying, what can this become? What is this moment, you know, creating for you going forward? Why is it, is that, is that about choosing the polarity of the situation? Yeah. I mean, it's great, great choice of words. The polarity of the situation is really key because there's only, you know, people think black and white often, and, you know, if, if it's a struggle, it's only, you know, okay, this is bad or it's good. We only choose to make it bad or good. Our mind is making that up. It's only a judgment that we're putting on the situation. So what I often get people thinking is that what's the way you can pull away from that and say, you know, how could you flip it to make that bad a good or think differently about the situation. So it's a beautiful way to just get people out of that, you know, um, the moment that they're having. Now, I don't want to necessarily say, oh, everything's like, you know, happy and, you know, everyone should be, you know, um, in a great mood all the time. That's not true. There are certain events that require a, a period of grieving, a period of like going through the valley so that you can come out of that and, and, and have your peaks. If it's just knowing that, you know, there's hope in those valleys, give them some chance to like breathe through the, the, the downside. One of my favorite quotes comes from this, um, a coach, um, Peter Bregman, which is if you're willing to feel everything, you can have anything. And in that is like, there's so much power in that quote. And I'm not sure if Peter even knew how, how much that that quote really impacted me or many other people. But the reality of that quote for me is that when you start to experience that deep pain or that deep, you know, darkness in other people and you say, okay, it's normal for you to have that feeling. This happens from time to time, but also give them the chance to see that there's hope to come out of that. Where does, where does that pain come from? Yeah. In me or pain in most people. Take it whatever well, way you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll start by saying that we all have, um, 
feelings of in, um, of um, things that we feel like we're not good at, things that we feel like we're missing in our lives. Um, I think it's normal if we if we felt like we had everything all figured out, then that would be um, inhuman. In, in fact, humans are flawed by nature. So there's always a pain that we experience because we're missing something or we perceive to be missing something. So it's just how we experience that pain, right? And how deeply it, it impacts the way we operate. So for me personally, I had this, um, this feeling of, you know, my work life, I, I always felt like I was missing. I was not in the right place. Um, I was not in the right field for so long. I was a square peg in the round hole and I tried so hard to fit in to the world I was in, even though people would tell me all the time, like, Oh, you're not doing, you know, you're not the typical finance person. I was in the finance world. And I'd be like, yeah, but this is what I do. I'm trained in this and so on and so forth. Um, so I just kept on pressing on and, uh, I'd worked harder and harder and harder. In fact, I had this, I used to say that it was addicted to doing and it was my undoing. I would constantly work so hard to make things happen. And most people would not know this, that I was kind of like a martyr for my family, for my coworkers, for, for many people. And I would take the burden on like a heavy weight. And eventually it got so heavy that it was making me collapse. Um, and I had to realize that this is not for me. This is not the way to live. This is not living. And I had to find the hope to come out of that. So that was my experience. And those demons, as I call them, the demons that follow me, follow behind me, the, the depression, the burnout, which so many people deal with, and they come in different flavors so many different ways that they show up, the not good enoughs, the, the, you know, I'm not as, I'm not pretty. I'm, I'm not successful. All the things that, that show up in our lives, they can taunt us. They're the voice in the back of our heads that are always telling us that we should be doing something differently in our lives. And what I try to do is help people to quiet that voice that's the pain that shows up. And in some ways, the best way to deal with that pain is to embrace it. I often say that for me to embrace, um, to, to change the way I was going about my life is I had to, to turn around and embrace my demons so that I could move forward powerfully. And when you do that, it really helps Instead of chasing, you know, thinking that if I just do more of this or more of that, or just turn and just keep on, you know, um, moving hundred miles an hour in a different direction, then it'll go away. It doesn't go away. Sometimes you have to say, I see you. I recognize you. I know you're trying to help, but now, now I recognize exactly what you're trying to do. And I'm not going to let you do that to me any longer. So this is how I'm moving forward. Are you clear now? I mean, looking back, 
and even today. I mean, the the so the, you, you talked about carrying the the weight for others almost. I mean, are, are you clear what void you were you know you were covering up with yourself if, through that process? Are you, you are you self reflecting enough and and in your own yeah. life? It's funny you say that. Are you self-reflecting enough? You can never self-reflect enough, um, I think, in my opinion. Um, but I would say that my clarity has come in the fact that I never thought I was I was good at my job. I never thought that I was good at what I was doing. And part of that was because I never felt fulfilled in what I was doing. And I would never felt like I was, I didn't know that I was on a path that was not mine. So when you try to do so much to overcompensate for that, to do more, to hide something that was not really you in the first place, that, that's, the, that's the very definition, or I shouldn't say very definition, but one of the definitions of, of the path to burnout is when you try to overcompensate and move yourself to be better, to be you know, at the top of your mountain is the name of my book is climbing the right mountain, which is around getting to the top of that mountain and then realizing you don't like what you've become because you've continued to struggle to get there and then realize I have done everything to, to, to force myself to hear and I don't like who I've become. I mean, what 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 did breakdown look for you? You know, what what did that look like when it came through? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it was pretty dark. Um, you know, well, there was you know moments of suicide, all that kind of stuff that came up came along, um, and getting there, you know, getting to that darkest point, there were, were health issues. I mean, just you know. I was staying up till, you know, I, I was not taking care of myself. Let's just put it that way. You know, burning the midnight candle, um, not working out, not doing the things that I needed to do to take care of myself. Um, and near the end of, you know, getting to that dark point, I just had kind of retreated into myself and not felt like I was connected to anything. Uh, and that's hard when you have a family, you know. Um, it was really dark. And then I came to this place where I said, I need help. I put the, the, my hand up and I said, I think I need some, something to help me out. And the help came in the form of many different things, you know, self-help books, like by the thousands, I think I've read more books about self-help than I, I think anyone should. And, um, I started to get serious with meditation which, um, you know, it helped. And I mean, it's not, it's not a cure-all, but I would say that it definitely shifted my mood in a different way, got me thinking differently, got me feeling a little more grounded. Um, and I think that was a great move in the right direction. And then I did start seeing a therapist, which was, um, for someone who's like an overachiever, you know, someone who doesn't want to show the kinks in the armor, it felt like a, um, a moment of, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing a therapist. That's insane. Um, but I did, and I found it very helpful for a period of time. 
all those things just got me out of the, the, the dark period and helped me to move a little bit further up the valley. Um, it wasn't the cure-all, but it, it just helped me to see the light a bit more and to not be in that dark, dark period. Eventually, um, there were more things that put me on the path to where I am today. But uh, that was the starting point. It's always, it is fascinating, you know, when people are talking about coming down from the edge. Yeah. But then actually what it takes to then, you're saying, right, well, okay, here's where, you know, I don't want to go back there again, but the second question is, right, step back, what do I do now? You know, and trying to understand what happens after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really the, the key part is that it's not, it's not like a one and done, you know, it's not like you just arrive the next day and say, okay, well, that was a dark chapter. Let's move on. (laughs) You know, it's still there. And there's, this is why it's um, like mental health is not something to mess with. It's not something to just like brush under the, under the carpet. If you're having dark thoughts, if you're having thoughts that are not serving you, um, have a conversation with people like, you know, try and get it out in the open, or at least not, you don't have to have a conversation with everyone in the street, but talk to people you trust because there's, there's something about um, having the conversation, getting the words out and not letting it muster inside or, or I can't find the right words. You got me all flustered here. Um, <laughs> but the, you have to get the words out and you have to start having the dialogue so that you can start to, to move in the right direction. Um, so it's very important to, to start that dialogue. How is that line of thought at that time serving you? And, and, and how has that changed through time? Yeah. How is that line of thought serving me? Well, first of all, I mean, I would just say that it's gotten me to think about the comfort zones that we're in and to get more brave about the things that can happen when I start to open up. I'd always been a bit of an, um, and this is kind of odd when you think about it, because there are certain parts of your life that you're like, yeah, I'm an extrovert. I'm out there. I'm having conversations. I'm like, you know, I'm, I was a people connector for many years and here I am having this dark moment of vulnerability and it seems like at odds with everything else about my life. Um, but now you come to this realization that this is the work that needs to happen to really connect with um, who I am, the conversations with myself, the, the deeper, going a deeper level and truly understanding what it is that's going on for me was through conversations through getting out in the open, being more open and honest with who I am and being uncomfortable with the situations is okay. Um, It's funny because now we're leading up to this point in my story, which I'll share with you is that like knowing that this, this happened, this event happened. And because I reached out for that help and it started to help I started to embrace my, um, my boldness a little more. And it eventually what is what led me to becoming a coach, which is 
not an easy endeavor in its own right. Um, you know, going off into a world where I didn't know anything about be, being a coach. Um, I had to have this moment where I was sitting in a boardroom where, you know, this is the, this was my moment, if you will. And want me to share it? Okay. So I, you know, had been on this journey and I, you know, at this point, um, it been, you know, probably like a year two years after my, mo- my darkest moments. Um, and I was sitting in a boardroom and I just had this experience where I was like, wow, like there's a lot of people who are checked out here. There's a look now 40 people in this boardroom, it's a company meeting, what have you. And I saw these leaders who are, um, they were just arguing about something very immaterial. Um, it was more about them protecting their image about being right. And I had this feeling of like, wow, I'm collecting a big paycheck right now to be here. And yet I don't feel like I'm doing anything of a value. I don't feel like I'm, I'm making an impact. And because of that, I think I'm done. I think I'm done doing this. I think I'm done being a part of like this engine, the system that just continues to uninspire continues to kind of waste our time and especially my time because let's be honest there was me that I was concerned about <laughs> um, but I also started to think what, what what can I do to change this room so I decided I'm leaving the room I literally walked out of that room and I said I'm going to leave this room and I'm going to change this room somehow and I don't know how it's going to be but I'm going to do something about it. Uh, and that's what I did. I left that room. I don't think having, if I didn't go through the things that I'd gone through and had that, that bravery, that courage that I'd gone, um, that I'd built through my journey from the bottom up, I wouldn't been able to go through that moment, but I did. I walked out without a plan. And I said to myself, I'm going to do something about this. And that's what I did. I left the corporate world. I said, I'm changing the room. I'm leaving the room to change the room. And I went on this journey to figure out what that was going to be. I had only worked with a coach for a short period of time before then. Um, My first taste of true coaching, I would say. And there was something about the process that really lit me up. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. You know, maybe I will use my powers of overdoing, <laughs> which is what I tend to do, be good at, to, to, to push myself into the world of coaching and see if this is the path for me. I love that. I think mm. uh, there's a simplicity to it. Mm. There's something about this I just wanted to share that, you know, I've been on, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about my story, but I never made the connection truly between my deep, dark, the, what took me from that deep, dark moment? What was it that I truly connected with? And it was that courage that really changed in me. And that's just being here with you has really kind of got me thinking about the courage that was built in me through that moment that got me to the moment of being in that boardroom. So I appreciate that. Do you think that was led by pain or by pleasure? Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I think it was, um, it was, I don't know if it was like, it was either. I think it was, I was no longer tolerating. I tolerated too much of, um, maybe it is through pain. I was tolerating too much stuff in my life. And I said to myself, I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. So, um, I think that's a question that a lot of people should be wondering about themselves is like, what are you tolerating in your life that you really shouldn't? Like, what do you accept that you really shouldn't? Because you just say like, oh, I'll just grin and bear it, you know, and um, I'll just suck it up and just deal with it because that's just the way life is. And I think that was the feeling that I had at that moment. I dealt with the pain because I had this expectation of that's just the way life is deal with it. Everyone goes through the same thing. So just deal with it, get along, you know, like get, get in line and get along because that's just the way it is. But not everyone has the courage to actually do something about it. Yeah. 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 And that's really where, I mean, when I think about like all the things that I've discovered myself since then, and what I've discovered about the people I've talked to and coached is that like, there's so many people who just don't use their voice. They're afraid to use their voice. They don't embrace who they are inside. They don't have that fire in the belly or they do have the fire, but they're not letting it burn because their fear of like letting of, of getting in, getting along and standing in line and, you know, fitting in. Um, and I feel like that's not living when you allow yourself to really, really embrace your voice and let it be heard. There's a lot of fear involved because like, what if I'm not accepted? What if I get fired or what if that, but what, what are you tolerating that? What are you giving up by not saying what you feel? Yeah. How close to self were you today? That's a good question. I mean, I would say I'm closer than I've ever, ever been. Um, but like I said before, I don't think that you're ever quite as close as you can. You know, you're, there's always more. This journey is never ending. And that's awesome. Because I love that. I love the fact that there's never an end to this journey. Because it makes me feel as though... I've got more to go. So uh, the fact that I'm, you know, I have a good sense of who I am in the world, but I also know that the world is large and ever changing and I'm ever changing. So from that perspective, um, I will never fully understand myself and I never will fully understand the world. And that is fantastic. I mean, uh, out of interest, do you, do you think, you know, are you where you're supposed to be today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do I have challenges? Do I have bad days? I do. Yes. Um, there are many bad days, many challenges. And on those days, I rise up and say, yeah, you know, I can be compassionate with myself and say, eh, next, tomorrow, 
we got tomorrow and also think about all the things that have done in the past. I've recently been thinking a lot about the gap in the gain, which is this concept from Dan Sullivan, which is really powerful. When you think about where I've come from, the, you know, where the gain thinking, like I think about all the things that I've accomplished in my life and I'm not like some super like, I don't have billions of dollars in the bank or anything like that, which is fine. But I think about the things that I've done and I think, wow, that's awesome. And how much more can I do if I keep on going on this trajectory? But if I keep on thinking like, oh, like I said I was going to do that and I'm not there yet. Um, oh, like I have so much more to go. Like that's gap thinking. And I don't want to be stuck in that place where I'm, I'm thinking about the gap. I want to be thinking about how much more can I gain from here? Do you think there's power in the gap? Is there power in the contrast? Is that, is that a source of energy? I'm sorry, one more time? It, it, oh, power it, in the gap. Yeah, do you think, that, is that a, a source of energy for people? And, and is, is it a useful or positive energy? It, um, I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, there's, it depends on how you look at it. The, um, it's not like, don't aim high. Don't have like this, this, this feeling of like, Oh, I've got a long ways to go. Like if I, you know, did this, I could get there. Um, that's the same thing with gain thinking. The gain thinking would say that, okay, I have a big vision by the end of the year. I want to be X, Y, and Z, but it's also appreciating where you've come from and also thinking that to get to that vision that I have, I don't have to stress about what I have to do between now and then the gap. It's about thinking if I stay on this trajectory, if I think about like who I need to be right now, then I will get there. That's it's not thinking about what I don't have. That's the gap. It's like having the positive, uh, being a, the positive versus negative thinking. The negative thinking would say, okay, well, I have this missing piece versus positive thinking is like, I, you know, I can gain from here. Hmm. I suppose the, yeah, the positive thinking is that the picture is complete. We can just make the picture bigger. Exactly. Scale it up. Exactly. Are you clear? I mean, and and you talk about that gap. I mean, it's it's a sort of a, a bit of a favorite subject for me. But that gap, do you know when that first appeared? I mean, through typically your childhood or something that actually, you know, you needed to step away from yourself. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I guess to reflect that on that a little bit. I'm not sure if this is exactly what your um, your questions intended on, but I've always felt like I was not enough. Like for, you know, I was always comparing myself to others. I was always feeling like I wanted to be better at sports. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be, you know, part of the the in crowd and what have you. And there were moments when I was, and moments when I wasn't. And I think we all feel that way. We all want to have those those. Um, we want to be popular, what have you. Um, and I think I always struggled with that element throughout my life. And even as I got into college and 
you know, thinking like, oh, am I in the right colleges? Should I be in an Ivy League college? Because if I was in an Ivy League college, then I get accepted for, I get better jobs, that kind of stuff. There's always a feeling of I was not in the right place. I think FOMO was, you know, fear of missing out was always a thing for me um, from a young age to where I am today. And I've come to this place where I've started to see that as like, okay, look, I'm just, it's just not going to rule my life any longer. Um, so instead I'm just, you know, kind of dealing with this. This is who I am. This is the path I'm on. As I said earlier today, you know, earlier during our, our talk, I'm tending to my own garden. I'm, you know, I'm going to make sure that I'm planting seeds that are right for me that will bring something for the future that I can uh, be proud of. So, Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I'm proud of myself. Like I'm proud of myself know. because of the fact that I, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm here today. I'm alive. You know, if I think about that, that's, that's a major achievement. I think we should all be proud of ourselves if we've made it through all of the things that we've gone through. Everyone's life has its own challenges and each one of us has to overcome them. Um, so if you're here today, you should be proud of yourself. So. I mean, when you think about it, just as you were speaking, you know, with, with, you know, what your parents do to put you here, what your grandparents have done, what's, you know, society has done everything that's happened, you know, and it's like stack energy upon energy upon energy to make it all happen. It's quite astounding, really, and the, the, the honor to be alive and to be here today is quite something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this concept of like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like, and this makes me feel so small in the grand scheme of things. But it also makes me feel like we have such great responsibility to make an impact. You know, we've come so far, but it's on the shoulders of people who have done amazing things in the world. Um, and it feels great to be able to say like, okay, we're alive today because of all these great things. And look at all the great things we're doing now. We've got innovations that are happening on a, you know, on a scale like never before. I mean, I worked in the biotech industry before I came into coaching and, you know, some of the things we did there, I worked on, um, in cystic fibrosis and in the time that I was working in that field, I mean, there were adults getting to a stage where they could live, you know, to get married. I mean, adults having CF wasn't even, a you know, a thing, but now because of the breakthroughs that they're, they're having, it's a reality. They weren't even planning to have retirement or like to have money to live because they just, it didn't exist. And now this is happening, which is remarkable. So it gives me chills to think about um, how far we've come from, from on every aspect. Um, you know, there's some things that are, um, some of our inventions are not so great, but at the end of the day, um, they'll all bear fruit that in the end, will change us in positive ways, hopefully. I suppose it is intention really, isn't it? It's intention and energy as to what's positive, what's negative, you know, what's, what's the idea, the suggestion behind it really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about mini Tony. 
I'm sorry, one more time. Talk to us about mini Tony, you as a, as a young yeah. fella. Yeah. So um, one of the things I will say for sure is that I was an artist. I was someone who like loved to, to draw and paint and, and create environments, which was interesting because most people think like, oh, you drew paintings of like animals and people and what have you. I was more about creating environments and worlds and um, something very interesting because now when I think about it, now it's interesting that I do the work I'm doing. I like to create, you know, feelings and emotions and people, but I do it using different paintbrushes. I use, you know, the conversations we have, the, you know, using their minds to shape what they want to create in the world. But when I was a child, it was all about creating emotions and feelings through the, the rooms that I would draw, the worlds that I would make. And I stuffed that back. I put that behind me because, you know, a lot of well-intended, well-intending adults told me that I had to find something more practical to do with my life. And so I took all of that artistic interests and my adventure spirit, which I also loved. I also wanted to be Indiana Jones. That was my other thing that I loved and James Bond. I mean, who doesn't want to be James Bond? Um, and I put that all behind me and got into the world of pre-med, which was my initial foray into being a responsible adult. And then eventually found that to be not me. And then eventually got into, um, business, more finance and strategy roles. But anyways, so that was really my path, um, to shaping who I am, uh, I just love the fact that I've now connected the dots and oftentimes I get people to connect the dots with like, what are the things that they loved when they were kids? What made them come alive when they were kids? And for me, it was just that I just loved being in that space of creating, of being untethered to anything that really, you know, felt like it was structured or felt like it was something that I had to do. I just did whatever came to mind, painted things, drew things, have adventures. And uh, that was something that I just now love. Is there anyone you took, took after, mother or father? Yeah, I, I would say that it's interesting. I, I mean, I have a bit of both. Um, my dad was, um, he was an immigrant from, from Italy. And my mother's uh, uh, family came from uh, from Lebanon, um, and she's she was born here. So um, she has this um, this emotional intelligence like off the off the charts. But she was fun loving, very adventurous in, in spirit. But my dad had this entrepreneurial um, uh, you know ability that he just he could. And he had this ability to connect with people. So my dad was the, the people connector and the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and that was his, his, his part. And also this really hardworking, like work hard. That's the way to, to make it happen. And my mother was the, the, you know, how are people feeling? And, you know, how can you be, go out and have more adventures? How can you go out and do things? and bring those together. And that's really who I am. Um, it's funny, but my dad being in the work, the work hard mentality 
um, that was so heavily ingrained in me. And of course that is some of the reprogramming, reprogramming I had to do, which is to say that it's about working smarter, not harder. All right. We all learn that, but it came from a different, you know, different places. Um, very proud of them both um, for giving me those things, but ultimately I had to unlearn some of those things to, uh, to also become who I am. It's interesting to start because I mean, you talked about yourself as someone who's interested in, you know, art, business and science. And mm. I mean, is it all art? Is it all creative? Is that, is that the aspect you see? Yeah, I, I think that, well, creativity is, is at the purview of everyone. And there's an element of really connecting with who we are in our different disciplines to find out how to be creative, to embrace that. And I think it comes from connecting with your inspiration. Um, I think about who I was even in the finance world. I used to create like these financial models um, to buy new companies, to buy different things that we would, you know, go out and, and seek after and go after. And I would take I would go and make them so like perfect. I would make them so that they were like, you know, um, uh, well, you know, very organized, very clean and very like, you know, perfect in terms of uh, how they'd present. It wasn't just about being accurate for me. It was how did they look? So I took the aesthetics of how can I creatively cre make something that people would want to look at? Um, so I think about that and I say, wow, we would be creative in our own work too. In, in, in financial models, you could be creative. People who are in marketing are creative all the time, sometimes more creative than others. And there's so many places where you can tap into your creativity and play is so important. People don't play enough. Um, just try things out and see what happens, you know? And I think for so many years, I didn't connect with that. I didn't see that. But now, as I look back, I'm saying to myself, we all have to tap into that play, that creativity that we can really see in our work, no matter where you are. Is that a, is that a method of communication? Is it a, you know, that you can create something that others can pick up the idea quickly and easily? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the way you describe it, it is like a method of communication. It, if you're open, if you create a, um, a way of, um, of being open about it, like you can be creative on your own and say, I'm going to create a painting or I can create something that I'm going to do on my own. But then there's also the ability to, you know, especially in the play arena of saying like, I, I want to do something together. I want to co-create. Um, and with that, you have to be able to share, <laughs> to share your work, to share your ideas and also be unattached to them. Because what happens is when you start to bring people together in a co-creation, it's about being okay with being wrong. Uh, being okay with having people take your idea and build on it, you know, and that's where the dynamic of creativity and co-creation starts to uh, take a whole nother level, which I love because there's, this is where I talked earlier. I'm not sure if I did it earlier, but I love when you bring these different worlds together because 
if you have someone from an artistic world and someone from a business world and you bring them together, they're going to have their world is, is filtered by what they've seen. But when you get them to play together and they have the right mindset, they can do amazing things together, but they have to be open to being wrong. They have to be open to that other person, you know, saying, what about this? What about that? What about a yes and, you know, like that, that concept of like building on each other. If it's just like, we're going to put these two people together and they're going to be siloed, which often happens in some companies where you have, you know, two functions come together and it's like, well, I'm not going to share what, I'm not going to share what's going on with my world. I want my, my group to win, you know, over the other group. So therefore I'm going to be, you know, um, clammed up not share. And, um, that's, that's not going to work out. So part of this is the concept of that, you know, the infinite game is to say that you, to be truly creative, to do it well in a team environment and to, to come together, you have to see it as like, we're going to come together, collide, and we're going to find ways to win together, to, to expand together. It's having, yeah, it's, it's, it's having that courage, really, isn't it? To, to, yeah. You know, how, how common do you think that is that people will be open to, you know, like you say, you take an artist and you take an engineer and you put them in the room? I mean, could it be a very short conversation or a very long conversation? You know, how, how common do you think people do take time to listen? I think you've, you've hit on the, on the right point here, which is to say, we need more of this in the world. And, this is the thing that I talk a lot about is, especially when it comes to building high-performing teams and it is people being open to being wrong. People being open to actually to borrow from Adam, um, Adam Grant and his new, new book, Rethink, um, Think Again, sorry. Um, which is to say, like, you have to be open to being wrong. You have to be able to, re- to, think, to think again about what you thought about a situation. If you hold your beliefs so strongly that you're not open to being wrong, then there's no way to expand the pie. There's no way to make it bigger. There's no way to innovate in a way that's going to make an impact. So um, that getting people in a room and getting them to see that, you know, we win together by opening up and sharing by connecting, that's beautiful, but you have to get them to see that. And it doesn't happen just by, put him in the room. Uh, and that's where, you know, the right leaders, the right people, you know, who can bring them together and help them to see that, you know, one plus one equals 1000 and not two. Funny. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I find on your, on your website, inspired purpose um, you talk about you know, the inspired leader manifesto. And you do, you give out 14 points then, which I think are fantastic there. And it is inspiration. Can you just give us a bit of a, you know, the, the purpose behind that or where that came from? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just creating like a, a video about this um, to, to share some ideas, but this manifesto is there's something powerful about writing down a manifesto that when you put the words down, it helps you to remember for yourself what do, I, what do I believe? What are the things that, that make me um, think about the things that I want to, want to create in the world? 
And by doing that, I'm also sharing with other people so they can see who, who I am and what I'm all about. And so when I put that together, I said, I want to help other people do this too. So I, um, I'm actually going to do this with some of my clients and with whoever wants to come, come along with me is that to create their own manifesto, to, be, to create this path to get alignment with what they want to create in the world, to, to make sure they know what beliefs that I hold. And so that people around them can start to see what is this person really all about? Um, so you'll see in there, that's called the inspired leaders manifesto, because it's not just about me, but it's about the people who I want to resonate with. If you believe these things, then you're my people. <laughs> so, um, that's really kind of why I did that. And, um, I also believe that words create worlds and that's what that is. It's me putting the words in paper that now can help people to create that world with me. Where do, where do we find you in your flow, Tony? I mean, where, where are you at your optimum? Uh, yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, well, I would say having adventures is my, is my ultimate flow. My last adventure was in December. Um, this past year, 2020. And I was in Peru. I went to Machu Picchu. Um, it was really amazing. So I, I love being, um, in new places, exploring new worlds for me at least. Um, and just getting a feel for how people live in the world. Um, that's where I'm most at flow. My second, second place would be, um, in conversation with people who are interesting and inspiring. And on, oddly enough, I find most people inspiring because they all, everyone has a certain beauty inside of them. They're just dying to get out. So when I have conversations with people, I see them on a deeper level than they think that they, you know, than they see themselves. And I think that's what's so cool about the world is that um, there's an element of, of people really um, not knowing themselves well enough. And when you have someone who can see them, from a different perspective, it's really nice to have that, to be seen. Talk to us about that, you know, seeing something in somebody else. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, it's kind of classic when you think about it, you know, there's this element of, um, you know, people who are in transition, for example, they come to me, they might say like, Oh, um, you know, I'm trying to write this, um, the tell me about yourself statements that I would go into, a, you know, to tell my, tell the interviewer about me. And oftentimes they undersell themselves. They don't know, you know, what greatness they've done. They don't really know how to connect with the, um, you know, what they've done in their lives so that the person on the other side of the interviewing table can connect with who they are. And so I'm often telling them, so tell me, tell me one of the, you know, some of the things that have happened to you. What are the things you're proud of? And I try to get them to really connect with some of the things that have happened in their lives. And I start to, to see them in a way that, that they don't often do because they're, they're afraid of bragging. They're afraid of looking bigger than they are or afraid of taking credit for something that, that they, um, they see as nothing, no big deal. And when I start seeing that in them, I start saying, wow, I'm amazed because you are underselling yourself constantly. You're, you're constantly 
you know, passing these things off. Like, you know, I completely transformed a company, completely transformed a group, or I drove revenue in in an organization. And they don't even like think twice about that. They just think like that was the job. Yeah. You need somebody to reflect that back on you and say, wait a minute, pause, capture that. That's you. That's you at your greatness. Take that and speak to that. That's who you are. And so part of my, of my ability to do that is to kind of get people to, to see something that they're not seeing. Even in their conversations, I might have them slow down and, and reflect on what, what's happening in their life. I mean, are you good now at taking time for yourself? Are you good at? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I would say I'm getting better. <laughs> there's moments when, I, when I'm doing really well, and there's moments when, yeah, sometimes I'm, um, I'm finding myself running a little ragged. I would say the pandemic has really challenged us all, um, myself included, where because there's no there's no separation between work and, um, and personal life. Excuse me. It can be, um, hard to like step away, you know, go for the walk that you need to take. But, you know, then I realize that and I, I take the time and I make that happen. Um, so yeah, I could use a vacation too. I could step away and get my family out on a vacation, but that's, that's hard to do right now. At least not in the way we'd like to. In terms of transitioning from the corporate world, you know, and looking to change the room, I mean, how have you found it that, you know, are you able to bring in those sort of fancy models that function perfectly and look perfect? Have you been able to bring the equivalent across to the coaching world? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because um, when you – want to change the room, it doesn't happen where you just walk in and say, okay, hey, you know, dysfunctional leader, I want to fix you. Let me fix you. That's not how it happens. It's by changing everyone around them, changing um, each one person at a time. It's the ripple effect. So when you connect with people and you start to see that this person can see the light, they see how leadership can be done differently. They can see how humans can be led in a different way. That impact is having a ripple effect inside organizations. So that's the one thing that I've been, I've been seeing is it's not about like always going to the top and pushing it down. Sometimes you have to go from different angles. And what I've found is that some people I work with are the, the folks who are maybe VPs or like the emerging, um, emerging leaders who are looking for that help along the path to say, I'm trying to connect with the type of leadership that I, I am, like who, who I am as a leader. And I will help them to see how they can best lead themselves and their people. So they're building the right foundation to be the person who's going to build companies that will treat people right, that will create organizations that do things in a way that doesn't just, you know, um, people talk about employee engagement doesn't just engage employees, but enriches them. I want people to see that they can come to work and not just have a job and not just make an impact, but can, can feel as though that their place of work actually makes them a better person 
So that's the impact that I've been going through. Going from the top, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I'm getting contacted by the HR person who's saying, yeah, we may need some help with our CEO. Can you have a conversation? And that's okay too. But they have to be, they have to be bought into the, to having a coaching conversation. I'm curious about that. I mean, you know, when you, when you inspire, is, is it on a risk that people do what you've done and sort of go, thank you. You've opened my eyes. I realize I shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. I love that you bring this up because this is one of the things that I always want to make sure I disclaim on this is that I don't think that it's always like, Oh, go out and start your own thing or, Oh, you know, you're someone who's going to like, make our, all, all our employees leave because now they've, you know, if they've seen the light and they're going to leave, <laughs> like, first of all, um, starting your own company and doing your own thing is not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, there's a period of time where you, you really get tested. Um, and you, you know, there's a reason why the statistics say that, um, that uh, there's a lot of small companies that don't make it. Um, a lot of startups don't make it. You have to be able to make that, you know, make this work out for you. So I won't get into that right now, but, um, but back to the reason, you know, back to connecting with people who are inside organizations. Sometimes it's just about changing the way that they look at their work. Sometimes it's a, it's just, you know, reigniting their fire, um, getting them thinking differently about how they approach their work. And I think that's the one thing that um, I want to make sure people do don't necessarily just think about, oh, you know, it's time to leave. Sometimes it's just about, okay, maybe this isn't the right place. Maybe this is not the right, right role. Maybe this is the perfect role. I just don't look at it the right way. Also, I suppose if, if you see it as a facilitator as opposed to a, a block in what you want to do, it's slightly different, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's an... I'm curious. I mean, as well, so you talk about, you know, it's, it's potentially it's the, the CEO, the person has the shortest sight potentially actually, yeah. which, should, which should have the best, the best view, but they don't, they're, they're, they're there. I mean, what, what's the one thing sometimes you wish you could say, or wish you could just reach out. I mean, you know, is there a time when you just want to go second, <laughs> take people and go, you need to hear this. Yeah. That's a good question. And I would say that, um, how do you think that what you're telling people is serving them? How does that message serve people? Because what you're doing, it, you know, with the message of like, okay, we have to, we have to work harder or, you know, we're not hitting the mark or, you know, Hey, this is, um, we're making these decisions because, we, uh, we need to meet a, dirt, uh, a certain target. How is that serving them? Maybe the, the end goal is still the same, but it's how you deliver the message that's most important. It has to be delivered in a way that shows people that they're valued, that they're seen as human, and they see you as a human. So how is the message that you're delivering serving them? When was the first time you were seen? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question and I'm not quite sure how best to answer it, but I would say that I feel most seen by, I've, I felt the, the first time I felt seen was, okay, I, I, I've got a, 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 you triggered me now. The first time I saw, I felt seen was I went to a conference uh, back when I was in the biotech field and I was sitting there talking to another finance person and someone came up to me and they said, um, I, I want to talk to you real quick. And I'm like, okay, I don't know you, but I'll talk to you. Um, I want to thank you for, for who you are, for what you do. And I'm like, well, you know, why? Because I, I know you work um, on cystic fibrosis. I know you work on the, the financial assistance program, which I, de- I developed this program that ensured that each person gets access to, to, um, to drug, to, um, to therapy, um, even if they can't afford it. And I want to thank you for saving my son's life. And I almost wanted to cry. Because I never felt as though like sometimes you get disconnected to the the work, you get disconnected to the the impact that you make. But to be like you know at a conference and you know feeling as though like oh this is just a bunch of finance people what have you, and um, to know that like that's something that had an impact on someone's life, um, and to have someone say it to you to your face it made me feel like a real person. Yeah. I had a few moments like that where, you know, I worked in the rare disease space. I worked on um, hereditary angioedema, which is a, can be a fatal, um, fatal thing where people have inflammation in their throats or different parts of the body that can cause them to choke or um, it comes without warning. Um, But we worked on a, a therapy at one point where, you know, they get an injection and it, it puts the swelling down, but, uh, you know, worked in that area and got a chance to meet a couple of patients. And it really is heartwarming to know that, um, the little things you do, even if you work in finance, you work in legal, you work in different functions of the company, that everything you do has an impact on people. And I think that's, what's powerful. You don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be, you know, um, someone who works in the, you know, direct contact with the person, but knowing that no matter where you are in an organization, you have an impact if you choose to believe it. Yeah. Really no concept of the ripples we create, do we? Yeah. Yeah. Who, Who can you serve best? Yeah. The people I serve best are, first of all, people who are ready to make a change, people who believe that there's more to life than what they're experiencing, Um, people who feel stuck and feel as though that I'm ready for something more, Um, not more doing, but more being, and they may not know that yet. Um, And that's why my story I've told you so far my addiction to doing the doing that has gotten me to where I am, you know, uh, indirectly. Um, now it's about being, and it's about who you're being now um, that 
is most powerful. So those are the people who I can serve best, the people on their path to becoming the leaders who are going to shape the future. But they're the ones who are right now feeling stuck. They could be entrepreneurs. They could be inside an organization and they just need somebody who can help them to think bigger, to think differently, to feel more connected with who they are and who they're meant to be. What's your niche? Um, I think that's my niche is working with people who are in that place. I mean, I, I would say it was more in the tech biotech space because you tend to coach to people who you know. Um, but I've worked with people in the insurance industry. I've worked with people who are writers, you know, creative types, um, other coaches, and, uh, I love people. So, uh, I, I hate to define myself by niche, but I would think it's psychographically the people who believe that there's more to them than they're currently getting. Yeah, it's, it is that it's, it's an art form to be able to connect mm-hmm. and also then to see them, visually see them, I suppose, and see their skills and their potential. See that yeah. they, they maybe can't see or don't, don't dare to see. Yeah. You might, you might call me like a, I might come across as like an optimist and, you know, I try to, I choose to be an optimist, but I also try to be as, um, I hold people accountable. I hold people accountable to doing the work that is required to becoming the person that they want to be. And I think that's the hard part of this, which is to say they have to do the work to unlock that potential that's inside of them. They can't just show up and expect me to, to do the work. They have to be committed to the work. And that's powerful. It really is powerful to, to create that space for people, to create that. I mean, it's sort of, I'm still probably still slightly going over that story, you know, with the, you know, with the parents with the system cystic fibrosis you know it's that it doesn't matter you know it's it's the impact as opposed to the input mm. and and seeing the bigger picture knowing that a little bit of pain today but actually the pleasure of what comes from that is yeah. it is the ripple effect right you know it's just it's it's focusing on mm. the impact yeah yeah and it's really, you know, just even reflecting on it right now as we sit here, um, it warms me up and it gives me the fuel. And we talked about like, what is it that, um, you know, keeps me going? What is it that, you know, um, inspires me? What inspires me to think back and say, I'm grateful for those moments that allowed me to, to be here today, allowed me to make the impact that I'm here today to make. Um, and it's the fuel that keeps me going. What are you capable of? I'm sorry? What are you capable of? Ooh, anything really. Um, I'm capable of anything because of the fact that I'm not afraid to do anything. I'm, a, I'm not afraid to try and fail at just about anything. Um, 
So I would say capability wise, it's just a, it's just a figment, a figment of my, of imagination at this point for me, because I don't want to limit myself. That's a lovely perspective to be in really, I suppose. Well, tell me, I mean, what's, when is it a good time to get you in the room and when's it a good time to get you out of the room? <laughs> Are you trying to get me to leave? Um, just kidding. Um, I would say the best point to have me in the room, whether it be for an individual or for a team or for, you know, for our company would be for those periods when there's, um, you know, a plateau or things that are not going quite as, as, as good as they could be. Um, you know, there's some stagnation. Um, and that is the same thing for an individual or a person who's just feeling as though like, you know, I've had some success, you know, I've, I've had some great success in the past, but I've hit this plateau and I don't feel as though I'm ready for that next thing or um, I even know what that next thing is. So that's a good place to bring me in. And when, when is it time for me to, to move on? Well, to be honest with you, once you've gotten some clarity around what it is that you're at, I mean, that you've created, you've created that vision, got clarity around what you want to do, then, you know, there's an element of like, what's next? I mean, I could continue to work with somebody forever if they continue to want to think bigger and dream bigger. But, um, you know, once they've connected with something that empowers them and creates that vision of who they want to be, I can, you know, I can let them fly. Love it. Love it. How's, how's the voices in the head? Do you talk to yourself? What goes on up there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably like, you know, um, a thousand times every minute. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's much more positive now than it ever was. Um, you know, there are moments when it's not so positive, but that's okay. You know, I realize what it is and I, it's the recognition of, you know, what it is and what it's trying to tell me and pausing to under, to recognize what to do with it. Um, that's all part of the journey of what I've been on. And I think what a lot of us need to go on is figuring out, okay, this is what it's saying. What does it mean? Yeah. Hmm. Are, are you good at self-reflecting like that? Or I mean, or does it take an outside person as well to, to help you to bounce? Yeah. I mean, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Um, there's, I think, you know, what kind of coach would I be if I didn't have a coach? Um, I have multiple coaches. And, um, so from that perspective, I love being able to have people, um, who I can go to, to help me unwind, um, unravel certain things that are binding me up, um, to be a thought partner, to be that person who can help me to see things that I'm not seeing. So, yeah, um, I'm good with, you know, sometimes even I'll solve my own problems just by having someone in front of me. <laughs> so that's cool. But the reality is that um, we all need somebody. Hmm. We all need somebody. Hmm. There is something in that, isn't it? Just the, sometimes as soon as it's out of your mouth, the fact that you can hear your own voice or somebody else can hear it and hold up the mirror for you. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What's what's a guilty pleasure for you, Tony? <laughs> guilty pleasure. Uh, I have to be honest. My buying books. I've got so many books. 
I know that seems like a cop out, but my wife is going to kill me because I have way too many books. And um, some of them are these, uh, they're photo books, the books that, because I love art. Um, so I have a lot of books with um, artistic photos and things like that. So anything with art, architecture, things like that, I get a ton of those books. So interesting because you referred earlier to you know sort of self-development books and then art books and things like that so there's there's something there that teases the brain interestingly yeah well that's part of also what inspires me too like i when i look at some of the um you know different pictures when i you know go through some an element of getting out of my day-to-day and just spending some time inside of a book or what have you Sometimes it's mindless. I don't need to be reading it. I just need to be looking at some pictures and things like that. It gets my mind um, out of the uh, out of the the thinking mode and more into that mode of like just being inspired. I mean, if you if you want to be inspired yourself, where do you go? Are you a sort of a shower type of a guy, or down to the water, or into the forest? <laughs> where do you go? Oh my gosh. I love being in nature. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that I would love to do more of these days, but it's been, well, it's been kind of cold these days where I am. Um, but being in nature is, is the, is the place for me. Um, of course, being in the shower is, is nice too, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, anything like I'll go for a walk with my dogs. Um, you know, if I can get up to the mountains, I'll do that and just spend some time just hiking or what have you anything like that. Just taking time for yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm easily amused when it comes to, you know, getting out of the house and just spending some time on a nice walk. Every moment outside is just a moment where I can just feel like, wow, like this is what I needed just to recharge. We're looking back now. I mean, where, where do you see the turning points for you that actually have led you to being where you are today? Yeah. Um, I think the first turning point was, um, deciding to, um, there's a couple of turning points. The first one would be, um, starting my own company, um, which was, um, my first company I started was a a financial consulting company way back in the day. Um, which was interesting because I didn't know what I was doing, but I just went on one of women tried it. Um, being fired for the first time. It's not, not necessarily fired, but laid off. Um, it's kind of gray. Uh, that was a big turning point. Um, being able to um, come from the bottom of, you know, being depressed and being on the verge of uh, utterly, you know, complete burnout. Uh, and that's my dark point. Um, and being able to come from that point and be able to overcome it. That's huge. And then the last one, probably, you know, the last one of experience would be um, leaving the boardroom and deciding to go off on my own um, and deciding to become a coach. Interesting, isn't it? That the, the, all of them are big changes. And, and from that, you've, you've, taken a physical change and you know you've stepped away or, or done something taking your power back if you like yeah 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 i mean it's there's probably other changes too that have that have happened that 
the little ones that have come along the way that I just haven't really thought about, but those are the ones that come to mind. And each one of them do have this like real powerful shift for me that have allowed me to, to really, first of all, be scared, completely scared out of my mind. Um, but also realize that each one of them is, um, has been a gift in its own way. Talk to us then about your bucket list or love list or whatever. What's, what's out there for Tony? What's, what's the future hold for him? Yeah. Well, I have my first book coming out, um, in spring, uh, late spring, and I'm really anxious to get that book out of the world and hearing what people think of it. Um, my bucket list would be to get my second book out by next year, because I've already started to work on that. Um, my next thing on my bucket list would be to create a retreat. That would be my goal because I love travel and adventure and I love to be able to bring people along with me and have an experience where we could all grow together through the experience of an adventure. That would be cool. So that's my goal. Um, beyond that, um, I'm going to leave it open to say, um, it hasn't been defined yet what my big bucket list is. Uh, I'm still leaving it open. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is to give yourself plenty of capacity to, to mm-hmm. be yourself. Mm-hmm. Tell me if you were to define your fire in the belly in one or two words, that be? I'm sorry, one more time. If you were to define your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would it be? I, I, I didn't quite hear you. One more time. So I was saying, in, in terms of if you were to, to define your fire in the belly in one or two words. Oh, fire in the belly. Okay. <laughs> this just happens to be the name of the show. <laughs> my fire in my belly, the fire in the belly is my desire to see um, people be fulfilled and um, to have to have burnout be a thing of the past. Um, there's this thing that sounds really dire, but I'm going to say it anyways, is that I want more people to, um, to live fully so we can die empty. Um, it comes from this author, Todd Henry, and I love it because there's this feeling that there's so many people who, who die with like um, a song in their heart. And, um, you know, hasn't been sung. And I think that an unsung um, song, I should say. And I think what we need to do is ensure that each person gets that out of them. Even if they're scared, they should just give it a try and see what happens, see what they can put out there and to not be afraid. Funny you say that because there's someone used the expression today, which I, I kind of love is you know, there's no, there's no tow bar on the, on a hearse, you know, so uh, <laughs> you can't bring it with you. So you either got to spend it, use it or leave it behind one or the other, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us, Tony, where can people find you, follow you, hunt you down, track you, stalk you, any of the above? <laughs> All of them above. Um, so the best places to, to find me or best place to find me is inspiredpurposecoach.com. And um, the second best place would be on social media. LinkedIn is probably a good place to start. Um, but I'm also on Instagram and uh, every, every uh, channel that's out there. But uh, 
like LinkedIn is probably the most, the most popular. Super. Tony, is there a message you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Final thought? Yeah. Um, look for um, signs of what lights you up and, and do more of that. Sage advice. I like it. Mm. Tony, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing all your, your beautiful insights and, and thoughts. So thank you. And until the next time. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.